You're listening to the Prison Poetry Workshop Podcast. I'm Ren Smith. Here we present readings, commentary, recordings, and stories about the little-known and even less understood literary tradition of prison poetry. Now, let's rewind some decades and visit Angola prison in the 1930s. That song was recorded by folklorists John and Alan Lomax in 1933 as part of a series of innovative projects and programs implemented under the New Deal authored by Franklin D. Roosevelt. The father and son team were traveling across the South, preserving American roots music passed down through generations. Don Fleming runs the Alan Lomax archive and notes that there was fear back then that the pervasiveness of a popular music jazz would equal the death of all traditional music. They were really looking for these isolated places, places like prisons, places that were not part of the what they saw at the time as already like uh, losing all traditional concepts of music because of radio and because of records that were out. When they visited Angola prison, they found a veritable treasure trove in the form of Huddy Ledbetter, better known as Lead Belly. Born in Mooringsport, Louisiana in 1889, the man-writer Alex Haley would later refer to as the Mount Everest of blues singers, deeply impressed the Lomaxes. They'd encountered plenty of talented prisoners by then, but none quite like Leadbelly. The reason they thought Leadbelly was so amazing was not just his performance and his voice, but it was his repertoire that he knew all these songs. He knew work songs, he knew children's ballads, he knew everything. He was one of these guys that was just like a human jukebox of traditional music in all different styles. Leadbelly's extensive knowledge of folk music had been acquired on the road. At 14, he'd begun traveling between towns on horseback, performing at various juke joints. James Robinson married Leadbelly's niece, who cared for the blues man later in life. He says back then, Leadbelly picked up songs from those he shared the stage with, but they weren't his only source. As he as he's traveling through through the countryside, he he go past these uh, uh, chain gangs and they'd be singing these work songs. And he he, he liked the song, but he, he 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 put his own words and music to to a song and made it his own. Unfortunately, Lead Belly would eventually have the opportunity to learn as many chain gang songs as he wanted. In 1918, would have become a hot temper got him in trouble. Lead Belly murdered a cousin in a fight over a woman. Robinson says Lead Belly was the little guy with the big temper. When you when you cross him or, or try to hurt somebody, a loved one, that's when he became violent, and that's the only time he became violent. Lead Belly was was short in stature. He, I think he was maybe five, six, five, seven, and people mistook his size. For, you know, and, and you know they, they thought that. He would be a pushover. But Lebedi was a powerful, powerful man. John Henry, take a sick boy, he had to go to bed. Woo! Paul and 
The Lomaxes were so enthralled with Red Belly, they returned to Angola to record them a second time in July of 1934. During that visit, he played them a new song, one Red Belly wrote about wanting a pardon from Louisiana Governor O.K. Allen. At the time, Red Belly was serving his second prison stint, this one for attempted murder. John Lomax decided to write the governor with word of Lead Belly's unusual appeal. By August, Lead Belly was a free man. And they all thought it was because of that song, but the... Uh, the official later wrote to John Lomax saying it wasn't because of that, that he was just up for parole anyway. But it's not like the theory that a song might earn Lead Belly his freedom was far-fetched. Nine years earlier, when Lead Belly was serving time for murdering his cousin, that's exactly what happened. Locked away in the Texas prison, Lead Belly wrote a song to then-Texas Governor Pat Neff, asking to be let go. Even though Neff had run on a tough-on-crime platform that included refusing to issue inmate pardons, he liked the song so much, he issued Lead Belly a pardon anyway. Facing a maximum sentence of 35 years, Lead Belly served seven. I don't see the same don't get a on After meeting the Lomaxes, Lead Belly's life changed. The Lomaxes hired him to help collect prison music and took him on a tour of universities to play the music they helped archive. He eventually moved north to take his chances in New York, which Fleming says didn't exactly pan out. I mean, I think Leadbelly certainly had hopes to get to New York and then record for a real record company, and, and he certainly tried to do that when he did get to New York. At that time, blues in the commercial market had really already peaked. I mean, by the time Leadbelly got to New York and... and even the mid-30s, that heyday of, like, blues 78s was already tailing out at that point. So it was just uh, sort of weird timing for him. While Lead Belly would never make it to the top ten or anything, he would build a loyal following among folk music aficionados. The likes of John Lee Hooker and Woody Guthrie were known to stop by his place to jam. But today, he's not really known for those years. Lead Belly's music has lived on past those years and long past his death because it's so powerful. And that power is tied to his prison years. John, come on, Mr. Rosen. How in the world do you know? Well, I know about a bar and the dress she wore. I'm a reller on the shoulder. See the paper in her hand. Well, I'm going in at the governor. He's trying to lose a mom, man. Let the midnight special shine your light on. The 
That was one of Lead Belly's better-known prison songs, Midnight Special. James Robinson says it's what you might call a prison ballad. If you, if the, if the, the light from that train sh- shone on in, in your window, and you, the possibility of you going free was, was 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 pretty 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 sure. So that was that was the theme of the song. Let the midnight special shine its ever loving light on me. So this way, one day I'll get out of here. I'll be free. These songs have an appeal and a soul that's hard to beat. It's no wonder it's still the thing that's so closely associated with this great musician. In his story, we're allowed to see redemption and hear optimism. Lev Belly's great niece, Tanya Singh, is the executive director of his foundation. She also hears the themes of hope in the music. Just a, a, another hope song, you know, for people that were in prison. It was a, a, a song that um, that came about again, past, trying to, you know, pass the time, trying to, you know, give hope to each day. Each day is, would be better. I'm Ren Smith. We'll be back next week with more prison poetry. To find out how you can lend your voice to our poetry archive, go to prisonpoetryworkshop.org.